All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live for our second episode, and it's going to be a good night. We just dropped our first episode on all social media platforms, and from there, we're going to launch it, and it is going to get good. Nick, good to see you, man. I'm glad to be here with you again tonight, and I think it's going to be a good time had by all. Yes, sir. We had some good feedback today. Yeah, it was. Great job on... uh Great job on getting everything together. Yeah, and Cody uh, Cody Watson's in studio with us here tonight. It's nice to have him. He spent a lot of time today building on our Instagram platform. He did a lot of work on the Facebook side. So I, th- I think it's going to be a fun night. And uh, <laughs> I tell you what, I'm excited. I was I was giddy all day, man. It was it was fun. It, it's it is it's going. I'm nervous, but hey, it's going to be a work in progress. Well, and I'll tell you the biggest thing for me is how we're getting into different thought processes as you go through the day it's amazing to me how i woke up this morning thinking about topics i mean we went through what 15 different things last night and now today it's oh gosh we're doing our second episode we just dropped one and it for everybody out there that wants to follow along with us of course we're on instagram talk about it outdoors we're on Facebook. A lot of you already have found that platform. But also, we hit Spotify. You can go over there. You can download, and you can follow us there to see all our new drops. So definitely go out and get us a follow there. So, Nick, did you have a good day, man? I did have a good day. Uh, a lot of conversations between you, and I know you worked your tail off getting this going. And I know Watson, he started the he started the Instagram side, so you guys go like that and check that out. Do you think that – today will be any different than yesterday as far as this recording goes i think we're still building and by building what do you mean do you mean that you're getting more comfortable with the situation yeah yeah as the longer we go you did put up a nice new light for we us did guys. A, we got us a nice light here we got, got, a, got we can see fluorescent hue to the uh to the soundboard maybe we can see it a little bit better today so as always uh we want to thank everybody for joining us it's been it's been eventful to say the least in the beginning and i'm excited and you know we're going to go right into it today's topic of the day or whatever you may call it nick's uh nick's come up with a pretty good one so i'm going to get him to tell us a little bit about that so i think since we started on outdoors we're going to lead into talking about alex's trip to illinois when we'll try to i'll try to ask all the questions and let him try to answer and tell his side of it and so you mean i gotta be quiet for a minute yeah you gotta be quiet for a minute and let us i don't know how well that'll work i'll do the best i can (laughs) watson slide over here and ask some questions and he was there with you to take part in the kill you had and um if for the ones that didn't see what he killed that hopefully watson will get some pictures up on instagram or you may be already able to see them and then we'll the story will kind of go along with what you have and yeah, and for those people that follow us now, I'm sure they've seen some of the pictures. As as they were taken, we kind of went through a whole, I guess, roller coaster of emotions from day from the first moment of the kill all the way through, and the pictures kind of dictated that accordingly. So make sure you check those out and there give those a, a lot. There was a lot of us in Illinois at that time, and uh, like thirteen you, total. 13, I think we said yesterday thirteen from Canton, and and some people had good stories, and and and. They're going to share those stories, but we feel like for this podcast, this is the opening, the big night of the podcast needs to be your story and and what went in it for you and all the excitement that led up to it. And we probably talked to more than 13 people to get the excitement up to going to uh, Illinois for that trip. And and I know it was a it was a different trip because of the weather, 
we wanted better weather, but you did have a great success, and we want to hear all about it. So um, tell us tell us when you guys started planning the trip. So I guess day one. Who went planning, with you? Who, I mean, we know Cody, right? Just Yep, Cody and I, we uh, we spent last year in Illinois. We were, we were fortunate and blessed enough to go up and hunt on some private ground. And we made great strides while we were there. I didn't take a buck. Cody took a great buck. And on the way back, we got to talking about what we were going to do the next year. And I guess just like any great trip, you look forward to the next one. So we spent time the whole way back. And through the spring and summer, we started kind of getting a little more excited about what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And fortunately, we we had – an idea of the area and we had an opportunity to get on some ground that we had never seen before was this was this let me stop you for a second was this private or was this public this was public ground that we were we were interested in getting i'm not going to disclose the specific location where that public ground was but it was public ground where we were we weren't familiar with the ground but we were familiar with the areas that surrounded it agriculturally you know uh we knew there was a lot of bean fields and a lot of corn fields in that area so we we took it as an opportunity that we thought we could go there and be successful. Now, is this where you guys went in last year and went hunting? <clears throat> no, we didn't hunt this ground at all. Only The only insight we had as far as seeing what the ground looked like was from topographical maps we downloaded. Um, Cody and I both use hunt stand. So it was basically boots on the ground. Yeah, well, it was, but, well, not just boots on the ground, but it was using the data at hand that we can get today you know we're fortunate enough in today's society to be able to go online pull up a specific coordinate or a specific road and find those public grounds and hunt stands a great tool that we use we both mark stuff and we drop properties and we mark them we probably had we probably had close to five thousand acres worth of ground marked easily that we could that we could you know go in and check but there was one place and it, it really stuck out to me in the very beginning that I wanted to go into, and it wasn't based on anything other than the fact I found topographical uh, data that would dictate there were ditches there, there were horizons, and I'm, I'm a ditch hunter. I like to hunt ditches coming off those big ag fields. I mean, I think that's a successful thing. So that was where I went first. Yeah, did, did, so when you're looking at that, was you said this was public ground. How How far from – crop fields are we talking the public ground is that surrounded surrounding yeah there was so a road you, and it was surrounded on three sides so you, by said, crop you said ditches so you're looking at you're looking at trying to look at pinch points and yeah absolutely coming off of those fields you know you can't get in the fields because they're the private ground but you're surrounding those areas uh, with you know dense public ground the one thing i want to say is we put boots on the ground like you said but we went deep i mean we didn't stay on the outer edges of this thing we didn't go 100 yards we didn't go 200 yards my had you notice it been hunted before yeah i mean there was, i mean recently this well year. yeah i mean we pulled up in the in several parking lots and there were hunters there but actually the first stand we went to or the first location i wanted to hang a stand we walked in and we we actually walked up and found a lock on a trail camera there was a guy and you could tell it had been freshly traveled to that spot so being you know i feel like you you have to be nice to each other or whatever it may be in the hunting woods right. and be respectful to someone else he had put the time in to hang a stand so we immediately backed out of that area and went to another did so this area that you're hunting did you have any did you yourself anybody 
have any trail cameras, any uh, any no. knowledge of any of the place? <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, we we had no knowledge of this property whatsoever, except for what we'd seen on a map. Uh, so we we know that you went to public ground up there, and and, and you're somewhere in Illinois. And we don't want to we don't want to give the location, and um, I'm sure it was a national forest. There's a lot of national forests in Illinois. Um, give us give us your take on the weather. Um, I know myself we we endured some hot temperatures up there for november and thinking rut and then you might get a you're little talking dis- wearing shorts and yeah you're, 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 you're getting sleeves. discouraged you're you know there's there's this is hot um we, we don't pulled know in we're... on we pulled in on saturday afternoon to the campground got the camper set up jumped back in turned the ac on when we got out at the uh the first spot we checked out which is where i wanted to hunt and fortunately i had cody there to help me hang the stand and and carry it in because it was a it was close to I would say probably close to 800 yards from the nearest road back through some pretty dense timber to get to the spot I wanted to hunt. Was it was it was it a lot of sign in there? Uh, it was. Yeah, we we found a a great deal of pod marks and and rub trees and that's kind of what set it off for us in the beginning in that area because it was right in the middle of a pinch point. I think point. when you go when you well when you go like you said pinch point ditch, you go into a new area that you don't know, you don't have any eyes on it. You find that sign. That's that's probably number one thing that you can hunt. Yeah, and in, in, in it being a travel path, you know, we noticed there were were a lot of trails in there. It was across a big creek. You know, there was a, a field to the south. And I knew going into it, I actually went into it with the thought process that I didn't want my wind blowing into the timber. And it really, I learned something here. And you have been in Illinois longer than I have. I think you've been hunting there for the last six, eight years and I didn't really think that, so 12 years you've been in Illinois, um, I didn't really think that I wanted my wind blowing to the timber in the morning, but realistically, that's what you want because you don't want your, the, the deer are out feeding all night, yeah, especially most, those yeah. mature bucks. Yeah, most of those deer and those those mature bucks, a lot of times during that time, they they may leave those scrapes, and you, you might have noticed those scrapes filling back up, and you may, uh, those a lot of those bucks may be out there cruising, and the hot temperature may, uh, may have turned them off. It was 74 degrees. It was I mean, 74 degrees when we got when we got out of the truck at the first spot we wanted to check. I so. mean, it, it, the hot temperatures could turn them off very quickly. Um, and my, and that's the way I feel. And but especially both the week before was a huge cool snap. Kind of fired Illinois. them up. Kind of yeah. got them yeah. making those scrapes, you know, and really checking them and starting to bump those does around. And then it dropped. Well, it went from. 30s to 70s in a matter of two days right right moon phase though yeah we moon talked phase about perfect. that i mean we I've, I've never followed the moon phase until this year I, i've looked at it and you know i've tried to pay attention to it but this year played a crucial role to me in being successful up there and you you don't really think about the moon other than it being bright or being dead, you know, and, and deer moving. I think that moon phase had a lot to do with what we were able to to accomplish at that. So. Oh, yeah, I think that moon was perfect. I think we could have had a little better weather um, all around, but I believe you you nailed it spot on getting in there, finding that sign. Um was it just a tra- traditional climb stand, lock on you hung, saddle seat? No, I took my cl- I took my lock on in. Um I went to uh I went to the back corner of a flooded timber area. I actually got some pictures of Cody walking through that water. It was very stagnant, kind of dense water. And uh we went to went to that specific spot, treating it like a 
Is that a word specific? <laughs> I don't know. I think so. I think so. Is that a word? I think right. it's specific. We went to that specific spot. We went to that that area. I'm just going to say that because I have trouble with that word. And we found, we, we actually went to the, I guess that would be to the west of that spot. And it was very thick. It looked like it was heavily traveled, but there were no trees to get in. And it didn't look like an area where I wanted to tell, be in. Tell, tell the listener that the the guy that hunts in Georgia how hard it is to find a tree in Illinois. Oh my god. So where you've I, got I'm sorry pines, to stop you, but I, I people yeah, no, need no, to know no. this. So 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 you've got pines, poplars, and you've got oaks here. You might find a hickory that you can get in and they're straight. There is not I don't think there is a straight no, tree in the state no, of Illinois. There's no straight trees. And if you do find a straight tree, it's that scaly bark that I have no idea what kind of tree it is that if you climb that tree, there's not going to be a deer within oh, 40 miles of yeah, it. Yeah, or it's so big at the bottom you can't get your climber on it. So I hung a lock on in a tree that was about as big around as my waist, and anyone that knows me, is that's, that's 30 inches, 30, 36 wranglers. So I, what you're saying, most people's not hunting in that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good tree. I was only 14 feet off the ground, which I was mad about. Cody, we only carried a, a three three 36-inch uh, hawk sticks in and one 20-inch. We got in with those sticks, and I couldn't get any higher. I mean, that was the size I could get. And, of course, I couldn't – I wanted to hang the stand. I told Cody, he's like, you want me to hang it for you? And I'm like, no, no, I want to hang it. I want to do this. I got to do this. So I got up there, got it hung, and uh, it was it was low. And he told me, of course, this year I'm using the Raven. I've got the, uh, I've got the Raven crossbow. I've had trouble with my hand not being able to get uh, get you know back in the groove yet with it, and so I bought me a Raven crossbow. I bought an R10, and Cody told me he's like, "Look, dude, you don't have to stand up and shoot that thing the way you uh, the way you normally do." So. so, so backing up here a little bit, a lot of people don't know. Some people do. A lot of people listening will know, and you don't have to go in depth, but just give a little rundown of why you're using. The crossbow. All right, rewind back to July 25th. I was up in Tennessee visiting some friends um, up there like I always had been. We'd floated the river that day. Of course, we'd been, you know, drinking beer that day. We'd been hanging out. We came back. We cooked supper. Uncle Weber was actually up there with me. And we were shooting fireworks. We'd went over to the house to get some fireworks out, and we'd shot a few of them. We were throwing them around, you know, letting them pop and everything. And we got these the, the the mortar tubes that you drop the balls down in and it shoot up in the air and uh, we were actually holding those in our hand I was and shooting them up and it was I mean it was something we had done previously and we'd never had any issues with but unfortunately something happened where I either misloaded it or I put it in the wrong tube or whatever it may be but it actually blew up in my hand and blew my my right thumb off um, it was hanging by threads and of course from that was there, qu- that was questionable to be put back on yeah i mean it was gosh i got to taswell city to the hospital um i was up there with my friend rusty and alicia and uh mike and carla coffee they actually took me to the hospital drove about uh, it was probably 45 minutes away and mike got me there in about 28 minutes i think or something like that and uh they transferred me from there to knoxville they did emergency surgery on it um, scared me to death. I mean, it scared it scared everybody to death. You know, I I know that Nick found out about it. He had a golf tournament that next day, and and through the power of prayer and everybody taking care of me and everything else, I was able to make a comeback to this point to where I'm. You know, 
I would say I'm back 70, 80% use of my right hand. So, so thank God for that. So that got you into uh, shooting the crossbow because you're still unable to shoot the compound. Yeah. No. Which I know was, was very disappointing for you as much as you love to shoot your compound. It was. It was disappointing. But at the same time, I was disappointed for that first week. I mean, from it happened on Saturday night. I had surgery Sunday morning in Knoxville and to come home and course jessica she was worried to death the whole way home and i, I asked her what was wrong she's like you're not gonna be able to hunt this year and i mean well, my concern I, wasn't hunting at that time when i when i had found out that morning we had that golf tournament and um when i had found out i had messaged jessica to ask her if she needed anything and that was really her only answer was just pray for alex i know it's gonna be a hardship on his hunting season oh absolutely and and and, and you know that thought crossed my mind but ultimately getting back home was the biggest thing for me i didn't not hunting was the least of my concerns at that time i just wanted to get back home and i did you know got back home and we got healthy through surgery and thankful for the amazing doctors i had dr holtz and and randy my physical therapist and all the nurses and everybody that took care of me i mean that was the biggest thing for me was taking care of that so that's 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 been the biggest thing for me doctors in today's day and age they will take care of you if you if you treat them right so um going so when you you knew this had happened had you and watson already had this hunting trip oh yeah we had oh yeah we were planning this from uh i would say probably june maybe Probably maybe even before that, we'd made a decision that we were going to uh, that we were going to have this trip. Right, right. So <clears throat> at that at that time, did you knew it was going to have to be crossbow? Well, no. I'll be honest with you. I called Cody and I said, I don't even know if I'm going to get to go to Illinois this year. And with that conversation, he told me that uh, he told me that you know, no, you're going one way or another. If I have to carry you to the doggone stand, and that just. To me, that proved that he want to uh, he wanted to you know take care of me and he would uh, he would back me up on it. So we got got a crossbow ordered, got an R10 order from Wyvern Creations up in uh, Wisconsin. I think that's where they are. Maybe in Minnesota. Sorry, boys, if I got that wrong, I apologize. But you guys took care of me on that and got it here, and uh, we got it in. And uh, hey. I know I know we're getting a little bit off track no, about, I mean, about your deer, but I we got to back up and give the yeah, backstory yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah, tell tell us uh, what do you think of that raven. We got a we got a few people locally shooting it. My dad being one of them. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If if you're in the crossbow game or you're in the market for a crossbow and you're looking to uh, to get one, if you're not shooting a raven, you're falling behind. Is all I got to say. Yeah. Six I, six or excuse me, three arrows in a softball size spot at a hundred yards. That was enough to sell me. And Cody did it. I watched him do it in my front yard. Oh yeah, I, I've, I've shot my dad several times and. I would not hesitate to shoot one at sixty easily. So, um, all right, let's get back on. Let's get yeah. back on track here. So let's you, go back to we got the stand hung. And so you guys uh, are up. So you guys, you guys get the stand hung on Saturday. You're, Saturday afternoon. You're planning yep. to hunt Saturday to Saturday. Um, you've took off. Well, really, we planned. To, we got there travel on Saturday and planned. We had already planned on hunting on uh, Sunday. Sunday. So you're yep. you're hunting Sunday to basically Friday. Come packing up, coming home saturday yep and six five six days of hunting yeah. sunday to uh, friday so was, bear hunt. when you got there was you still knowing the weather were you still hyped up about the rut or was you just thinking i'm just hoping to get in here and, and see something 
Nick, you, you know, and you grew up hunting here, so you can attest to this. Cody can attest to this. When you're spending three, four days a week hunting evenings and then you're hunting on the weekends and you're only seeing two or three deer with the thought process in hunting in Georgia that you're probably not going to see a shooter buck maybe once, maybe twice in a season, but you go to another state where there is a potential to kill the buck of a lifetime. You're not worried 80 about 80 degrees heat. or 30 degrees. Oh, Alex is excited to be there. Yeah, you're not worried about it. You've took that time. You've worked all year to get you're that vacation. You're going to make the best of it. Yeah, so you want to get there and hunt hard. So coming up to the deer – what what day did you all right we're gonna go into let's go into sunday sunday morning okay first sit cody and i are getting up at 3 30 in the morning because they're an hour behind there daylight's around 5 30 5 45 something like that it starts breaking day you know it's not legal shooting light till you know 6 15 whatever it may be but we're getting in the tree really really early and we're getting in quiet and i felt like i had slipped into a perfect spot two hours i sat there and did not see a deer right sat there and uh wow that was a uh that was a disappointment until i watched six bucks run a doe into the brush pile 60 yards from me i couldn't really tell you if it was a shooter or not couldn't tell you if it was four shooters i saw horns and i heard i probably had the most amazing shooting or excuse me the most amazing sighting of deer activity during the rut that i'd ever seen I mean, that was the the best. I, I heard blowing, fighting, crashing, grunting, whatever you want to call it. I heard every aspect of what I would consider a rut fight go on in a brush pile 60 yards from me. And even with that raven, hey, I couldn't make it happen. Everybody's like, oh, you got a crossbow. It's like a rifle. Well, no, if I'd had a rifle, they'd been, you know, a deer dead. I guarantee that. Right, right. So that that just basically takes out the takes out the question whether they're still running. Yeah, it, it really excited me to be in the right spot that, because that just I goes to like show that. you that the the rut's going to happen no matter what the temperature may be. Yeah. It may slow it down. I think it slows the movement down of your does. It, I think it, it gives may see them more evening time movement, even when with a even with a dark moon. Yeah, and I feel like it was it kind of gave me an insight into there's are deer traveling and they're going to be moving through that area, which kind of I mean I saw seven different bucks that morning. I saw one doe. Our buck-to-doe ratio in that area, I don't know what y'all boys been doing up there, but y'all been hammering the does, and I was glad to see it. So, um, came out probably 9.30 that morning. You know, I'd been in the stand since 4.45, eh, probably 5 o'clock. Got out of the stand at uh, 9, 9.30, went back to the truck. Cody picked me up. We went and grabbed some lunch, chilled out. Heat was killing us. Sat that evening, did not see a single deer. Uh, came back to camp that night cooked supper went to bed you know crashed out we were we were done we was toasted you know being up all day the day before traveling woke up monday morning and the weather was still the same it was hot so i didn't have a lot of high aspirations for what was to come but i knew the weather was fixing to change so i was going to get in there and hunt and we had actually we rode around um during the day did we hunt monday afternoon cody or no excuse me sunday afternoon or did we yeah, we hunted. Yeah, we did. And and we got in. Uh, it, it was probably 3, 3.30. We didn't get in really early that afternoon. So we went out and we rode around a little bit. We actually saw deer 
in a field on Saturday afternoon after we had hung my stand, and it was an area I told Cody, I said, I'd like to go into that and check it out and see what it is. And let me preface this with saying I am the world's worst about wanting to move stands. I am notorious for getting in an area and seeing deer, and if I see something going on somewhere else, I think I've got to run over there and move into that spot. And I told Cody this year, I said it's going to be. You this think spot that falls back to? You think that falls back to hunting in Georgia? Well, it falls back to being an immature hunter. I feel like I still feel like I'm immature at times with my hunting. I I I do feel well, like it's. I think I think you can take that. I think that's so. You're there for a week. With most of us that go out of state, yeah. Yep. I mean, we we have a least, jobs just like everybody days. else. We want to do we want to do what we can to try to minimize and get on top of those deer right then and there. So yeah, so you want to put I, yourself I see, I see in the what best you're saying. position. I, I would do the same thing. I would put myself in position if I thought a deer was forty yards. If I was going to cut the distance, I would move closer. Yeah, and I think that is I think that's true because here you don't you don't want to sit the same spot over and over and over again. And I had sat there. If not, you're going to second guess yourself. Well, I did. Always. I mean, I, I, Oh yeah. I mean, I immediately second guessed myself, even with seeing the buck activity that morning when I didn't see anything on Sunday afternoon. I mean, right. I, I consider the evening hunts in the Midwest to be the best time to be in the woods. Yeah, absolutely. I would and, say the same. And that's based on prior experience hunting all over the Midwest. I want to sit in the evening because they're going to travel from those bedding areas in that last hour to the, feed to the field wherever it may be they're going to beans or going to corn they're moving through those areas that you're hunting in and i kind of got a little bit down when i didn't see anything that evening but i told cody that night i'm going back i'm going back into that stand in the morning and i did and i'll be honest with you the action started before the sun even broke and i think a lot of that was the moon this year the way it was still rising it was still setting as the sun was coming up. So I think you did probably see a lot of that action first thing in the morning. And and I, I was even looking for the same thing. Like I said, we were we were hunting there at the same time. We were going through the same temperatures. Yeah, and y'all were what, forty five minutes from us? We we're forty five like minutes, yeah. We you know, our our my success um wasn't as good, but we'll get onto that later. So Monday morning rolls around. Get my stand early. Cody dropped me off same time as the morning before. Climbed up, and I guess that morning was just like every other morning. I know you hear that before. It started like every other day, but I was sitting there, and right before daylight, I had a deer come behind me. Uh, I guess it was after daylight, right before legal shooting light, and I couldn't tell what it was. I knew he was moving slowly through the through the thicket, and I text Cody. I told him, "Hey, I I just had a deer come behind me." Not sure what it was, but, you know, it moved on. And right after daylight, I picked my grunt up, and I hit the grunt, and I hear a deer coming back. And I'm assuming it's the same deer I heard right at daylight or right before come behind me. He came down the trail, and it it turned out to be a, I don't know, a a two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half, probably a a two-and-a-half-year-old, a a little seven-pointer. He came in, and we had made a mock scrape 20 yards in front of my stand. He comes over, checks that mock scrape, turns around, and goes immediately back in the direction did you put anything in it i did magnum scrape dripper you left it there i didn't leave it there now i brought it out no i mean i know not the whole time but you left it hanging oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we, we did you over. notice any activity overnight cody can vouch for this i swear to everything 
I got in there that next morning, and there was deer tracks in that scrape we had made the night before. Oh, excuse me, the afternoon before. There was already something checking that scrape. Uh, so some pe- some people may want to get your – I want to get your take on it. If you put a scrape dripper out, you're hunting Illinois, anywhere. It's supposed to be the rut. You think if that scrape's getting cleaned out, they're checking for does still, or do you think they're still – do you think the rut's full on? I'll give you my take. I don't think the rut is on if they're still cleaning scrapes. I, I can see that, but all right. I, I, I've never considered the rut to be every area. You may be two miles away, and there be more does and estrus where you're hunting than where I'm hunting. The rut's going on where you're at, and they're still in a seeking phase where I'm at. Yes. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I, yeah, I don't necessarily I consider it the rut until what I saw on Sunday morning, that's the rut. Yes. Bucks oh, are chasing does. They're hammering them. You know, they're, they're fighting other bucks off. That's the rut. When they're in that seeking phase and they're seeking out a doe to breed, that's that, to me, is the best time to hunt. I don't want to hunt them when they're running them wide open. I'd rather have them catch them on the seeking phase. Yeah, yeah. Because then you can get in there, if you're unfamiliar with a place, find that sign and probably find that deer that's making that sign. Yep, yep. So... Hung the scrape dripper, and the, the small buck comes in, checks the scrape, and he moves on. And within about, I don't know, 20 minutes, I had seen a doe cross to my left by about 60 yards. She was moving around. And when I saw the doe, I picked up my binoculars. I looked through her, you know, and I saw it was a doe, and I expected something to be with her, and it wasn't. But I looked behind me, directly behind me to the south, and I saw a doe standing on the edge of the field. And I was about 60, 70 yards off the edge of the field in the timber on the edge of what I would consider a bedding area. It was really thick. It was a hard turn there. It was it was a great area to be in to myself. So I immediately looked to the left, man, and, and this buck standing there at 45 yards. I mean, I was – let me paint the picture for you. I've spent – I killed my first deer at 12-year-old. That's the first deer I ever killed. I'm standing here in a stand in Illinois, in the Midwest, 705, 710 in the morning, and I'm looking at the biggest buck I have ever seen in my life with a bow in my hand. And you call it bow, crossbow, whatever, but I'm standing there looking at the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. And I guess, you know, people talk about buck fever or or – you know, things taking over and you getting overzealous and trying to do it. And in that moment, I immediately, I I told myself, if this deer gives me a chance to shoot it, I'm going to shoot it. And that's what I was looking for. We had talked about it all summer. I wanted to see that deer where there was no question it was a shooter. I didn't have to look for him in the binoculars. When I saw the deer, I wanted to know it was a shooter and he was definitely it. I could see his right side sticking up and he had, you know, great twos, great threes, great beam coming out. And so the doe that he was with, and I'm sure he was tending a doe because I watched him, you know, pee on his hawks standing there at 45 yards. And I couldn't do anything with him at that time because he was to my left directly behind me, and I'm a left-handed shooter, and I couldn't get around the tree. So I was standing there waiting on him to make a move and figure out what he was going to do. So he wasn't chasing through there. He was No, he was tending the doe. He yeah. had, I honestly believe that deer had picked the doe up that the bucks were running in that area the day before. I think he was one of those bucks I saw. You, you think you think he was 
back in there checking those scrapes and no i think he was with that doe tending her i think he attended that doe he had ran all the other bucks off of her and he attended her and they were headed back to the bedding area i basically had got dead nuts between him and the bedding area they moved around to my right the doe came through an opening at 41 yards and i ranged her that's where i knew i knew that at that point this buck is with this doe She's acting very finicky. She's looking back. She's flicking her tail. She's not nervous because the wind, like I said, we had a south wind, and so I'm set up perfect on this spot. I've cut them off between the field and between their bedding areas. She's due west of me looking. She she has no idea I'm there, and I'm only 14 feet off the ground, which I've said before I didn't think it was high enough, but it turned out to be perfect because he uh, he actually started moving in that direction and he came into came into that opening at 41 uh, uh, yards first sight everybody sees a deer different what do you think you would score that deer when you first seen him 150 plus 150 plus yeah i, I absolutely thought the deer would go at least at, and and i've been even fortunate from the enough, shot well yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and i was i was fortunate enough a little bit of preface to that you and I went to uh, Bill Milliken and and saw how to score a deer. Yes. We learned that actually in 2012. So at that time, you and I learned how to score a deer yes. and properly do it. And I don't think it's hurt me to be able to judge a deer at that point. But when I saw his right side, how heavy or how long he looked and how yeah. wide he looked as he was moving through the timber, we're talking about a deer that's, that's going to – it field dressed at 185 pounds. You're talking live weight pushing 230. Yeah, yeah. 100 pounds heavier than yeah. anything we're going to see here by most standards. And at 41 yards, he's... He's a man. Yes. He's a man. Yeah. I think he's a I think he's a mature deer, and he moves He's not a this, North Georgia buck. He's not a, he's not a North Georgia buck. No, <laughs> not at all. So he moves into the opening, and I have already, you know, clicked the safety off on the Raven, and, and I picked out a pretty good opening... And he went into it, and I stopped him. I gave him the old merit. So he, you knew that he was going to be at forty yards, and yeah, he was. He was like I said, I put the forty-yard pin dead right behind his shoulder, and I just squeezed it off, and it gave that old long-standing thump when it hit him. He didn't kick like you know a lot of deer will do. You see a mule kick or whatever, and I think when they do that mule kick, you've hit him in a. I want to say an, an arrow when you get a clean pass through and that raven, Lord help. It was a pass through. A complete pass through. The bolt we never found. I believe she's still moving to Waleska by now. I ain't sure, <laughs> but I believe it never slowed down when it went through it. Yeah. Yeah. They uh they are fast. Um so when it hit him, you know, he turns You had time you had you had time to put it where you wanted to it wasn't it what it didn't feel like a rush shot no it didn't he he had moved through that he wasn't in a hurry and neither was the doe and I, I a lot of that has to do i think with the wind he moved directly through the, the the opening i thought he would and i got a shot off on him. did you see him go down after the shot i did not he, he was you listening or was you too excited no i was listening i yeah. i didn't have no choice but listen i couldn't talk yeah so, which is hard for me but i was kind of speechless at that point when i hit him I heard the thump. He turned and he went up a ditch that I was sitting just just to the east of, I guess. Uh, and he turned and went up through there on a travel path. I'm sure he had went before kind of an escape route. And I heard a crash. Well, then it was all she wrote for me at that point. Yeah, and the emotions kicked in. Probably the most emotional deer 
it was absolutely the most emotional uh, deer hunt of my life. I mean, you you called me, or you actually text me first, and then you the text. Why well, so I you called, text me and then you said, "Hey, can I call you?" Yeah, and I called I, Cody um, first, and uh, I, I I immediately as soon as I went into uh, I went into I guess panic mode. You know, you're always because second, you're second guessing yourself. Absolutely, you don't, you don't know where the shot went. You didn't see him fall. You didn't hear him fall. You you your first thing you're probably thinking, or second thing is. First thing is I've got him. Second thing is the first I, thing I thought Nick was I'm back, and I know that may not mean a lot of sense to a lot of people, but at yeah. that moment when I hit that deer, my first thought in my mind was, my gosh, I'm back. You know, I've made it back to this point through, you know, three months worth of physical therapy and adversity and everything. That was the first thought that hit my mind was I'm back. You know, I've been fortunate enough to to get a shot on this deer, whether I've hit him or not, whether he's down, whether he's, you know, taken into the next county with my bolt sticking out the other side, I, I'm back. And I couldn't even talk when I was on the phone with Cody. I mean, I really couldn't. I couldn't speak. I was in tears, and anyone can say what they want to about that, but I was absolutely at a pivotal point in my life that moment that I had made it back. So, Yeah, so <clears> – <throat> Did any time sitting there feel like that you made the bad shot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, every time I shoot one, whether it's with a rifle, whether it's with a bow, whether it's with a you know a crossbow, I, I'm I'm the type of person that I'm going to second guess that shot. Not because I think I'm a bad shot, but because I I didn't see him go down. Right. That's that's what drives me crazy about bow hunting more than anything else but it also gives you that invigoration and that excitement that i'm gonna get to get on a blood trail oh yeah and it's constant rewind i rewound the shot i looked and of course when i called cody on the phone he's like don't get down i'll be there in a minute this cat is you know he dropped me off that morning drives five miles walks 500 yards back into the timber how he made it to where I was at in 35 minutes, I'll never know. His feet had to have not touched the ground when he crossed that He may that have just jumped field. out of the stand. I'm telling you, it sounded like he's – this was the conversation. Let he might have been to, walking on water over there in that <laughs> we swamp. Try, let me try to replay this. Did you get a good shot? What is it? You could, Alex, Alex, Alex. And I'm like, give me a minute. Give me a minute. And I didn't say it that clear. It's more like, give me a minute. Yeah. Because I was, I mean, I was beside myself. And he said, don't get down. I'll be there in a minute. So I sit down. He tells me to reload my bow. He he knowed on the second morning of a trip to Illinois and you calling him or or even myself. (laughs) I told him I had shot a giant. You you get a text from somebody up there. We know that it's going to be a, we know that it's going to be a good deer. So yeah, I I can imagine the excitement that, that yeah, he was at get- that point, he was he was like, dude, I know he's, you know, I know he shot a good one. I'm getting down, and here he comes bounding down through there, and we're. How I'm long get- did y'all wait before you got down? It was 35 minutes. That's when you got. Then that's when yeah, I waited till he got there to get down. I thought I had heard the deer crash, so I wasn't too worried about the shot. But I, we were going to go and check the area. How many, ti- how many times blood. you look? How many times you picked up those uh, binoculars and look over there and see if you seen blood on the ground? Before you every, got down. every two seconds <laughs> <laughs> i call listen i called i called cody then i called jess as i always do you know whoever i'm hunting with i try to call them first and let them know cody more especially even when i'm not hunting with him i try to call him first and let him know what's going on and then i called jess 
let her know, and she was really excited. Then I called Dad, and then I called Uncle Webburn, and my buddy Rusty from Tennessee, he called, or he had texted me, so I called him, talked to him for a second, and then that's when I texted you and was like, hey, can you talk? And and it was from there, it was like, you know, the wave of emotions kept coming. It wasn't one of those moments where it ended immediately. It kept coming and kept coming and kept I was trying to load the crossbow back with a crank. I mean, it's got a crank handle on it because I can't pull it back, obviously. But I was trying to load it, and I'm sitting there just so thankful for the opportunity to, to get to reload that bow because I just fired a shot. So Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, so from getting down – 30 minutes, you guys walk over, you see, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen good blood. You're probably still looking for the bolt that you still never. We did not recovered. find good blood upon impact. We didn't, we didn't, I didn't really know at this point. I've been so flustered and so excited that I didn't really know where he was standing at that point, but I knew which way he had ran. So yeah. we looked for the bolt, couldn't find the bolt, looked in the ditch where I saw him run, and we immediately found, I mean, a pile of blood. What I mean, kind of, it was what kind of broadhead? Grim Reapers, baby. Three Grim blade, Reaper. 100 grain been shooting for a long time they ain't never let me down so i was throwing those to that crossbow it was a crossbow model so it's a little harder to open but um we went i'm gonna say we went less than 40 yards and we came upon a brush top and i was like all right right here he had to turn and i looked past the brush top and it was all she wrote man he was laying there just just pretty as you please and we went perfect over shot and, then yeah perfect it was shot. it was a perfect shot couldn't ask for anything better you know it, it come in directly where i expected it to and it exited and like did I anything change from that moving. point once you saw that and you guys are standing there that is that the motion kind of already went out and the excitement i mean i know the excitement was there i'm just talking about i that. was emotionally drained at that point i don't want to say i was i was disappointed because i wasn't by any stretch of the imagination i was thrilled to death but i was emotionally drained to the point where i picked him up i knew he was a great deer i didn't he was he was now let me tell you this when I, let me say this when i picked him up i knew he wasn't as big as i thought he was great deer and i wasn't disappointed at all but i immediately knew all right he's gonna be in the 40s you know that's what i my first impression of him was and we'll tell everybody in a minute what 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 the score came out to score but. score be damned i didn't care at that point yeah, i had exactly. just you know i could you had care a good buck on the ground that or matter. 160 i was yeah. tickled to death yeah so and it you know from there we uh we Got him drugged down close to the stand. I mean, we're dragging 230 pounds, 240 pounds of dead weight. Uh, Cody, he's in a little better shape than I am. He was winded, and I'll, you know, here I am lame-handed, barely drag at all, the worst shape of my life. We got him down, and that's when we called for help. We called our buddy Josh Moore and, and Tanner Webb. And, and some guys uh, that live local? No, they're guys that live in Georgia, but they hunt a different tractor property up there that we're familiar, familiar with, and they came over and – Brought the game cart. Let me give a shout out to anybody out there hunting on public land, big timber, wherever you can't get a fool or two, you're not allowed to. If you don't own a game cart, go take yourself to Cabela's and buy you one because you've got to have one. It was the if we hadn't had that game cart, we'd spent three hours getting that deer out. Did y'all did y'all uh, did y'all remove the guts before you? yeah about yeah. 30 yards of dragon i said we're about to gut him of course yeah. cody got an amazing picture of so this was uh, all they're gutting him too so without any kind of gore or anything else the best picture he's ever taken shout out to my boy on that one so was this so this was all right there in your hunting area so did you feel like this hunting area was done no 
I don't pay attention to that whole thought process that people think, oh, if you gutted one here, it's over with. Right. I saw a coyote on Sunday morning. I forgot her. Yeah, Sunday morning. I forgot to mention. I can promise you we were back in there within 48 hours, and then you couldn't tell there had been anything gutted. Yeah. So you you kept that set and continued to hunt there, which now you're tagless on your buck, so you're – you're yeah, looking, we moved. We for, moved out of that spot. We got him back to to the campground. Got him skinned out and took him to a uh, processor and got them to actually cape him off the skull for me because you can't bring it back across state lines in in the skull. You know, you got to take right. the brain matter, no spinal tissue coming across state lines. So we followed that procedure. We went over and got him caped out and uh, put him in a freezer. We got a friend of ours that owns a shop up there, and he allowed us to put him in the freezer and we put him in it. And it was uh, it was you know. From there, we I started focusing on I want to Cody to kill one at that point, so it was so yeah. <clears throat> we'll, we'll keep going, we'll keep going about the trip. Um, well, I I want to say this, and I and I want to give a shout out to, you know, the people that I had spent more time with during that that period of time that I was down. You know, my wife, my dad, my uncle. You know, you would call and check on me, and Cody, he would call and check on me every single day. And I had, I had a great boss that worked with me during that time, and it was, uh, it was a great experience for him to get in there and, you know, and take care and and get through those little necessity programs, I guess you will call them, to get back to where I was at. So I definitely want to thank everyone that was involved with it. All my friends in Tennessee, Florida, Iowa. Uh, Kentucky, Alabama, everyone from all across that that really took the time to check on me. That meant a lot to me, and uh, I, I just want to thank them because that they got me back to that point. So, um, I want to bring on now, uh, Cody. He's gonna he's gonna jump in for Nick for a second and and do a little talking and kind of kind of give a little rundown of what went on. Uh, and and let me. I guess I'm going to question him for a second and see what his thoughts are on everything. So, Cody, welcome, man. We're glad to have you here. and uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be here. Well, it's good to finally have you here. So, second episode, so that's okay. Well, I just wanted to jump in because, you know, we together, we, uh, we spent a lot of time planning for this trip. And for me, you know, we talk so much about, oh, this year means more and, and seeking something greater. And for me, when we got up there, Right of out course, of the gate, it felt good. Yeah, of course. But and 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 I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to go to Illinois and kill a giant. That's everybody's. Oh yeah, that's everybody's yeah, everybody goal. wants to do that. But I wanted more than anything because of the adversities that you had faced and how much time we had spent together preparing and planning. I wanted more than anything for you to be successful. And that morning when you called me. It was good. I'm pretty sure that if there were Anybody other around. people in the, in that public area that I was at, they thought that I got a phone call that my house was on fire. <laughs> that, you move, I'm telling you, man, you move fast. I was. I had a Magnum Scrape Dripper Dragon behind me, a trail camera cord, deer stand. Um, I mean, it was just it was an incredible feeling. And, and at that point, I didn't care how big the deer was. I mean, I could have got over there and it could have been – a spike but you you've you've spent a lot of time talking to me about hunting and about those uh i guess about those those deer phone calls you know where i call you and i say i mean you were with me when i shot the great buck on film um two years ago and how excited i was at that point 
did you think I had killed like the biggest buck oh, yeah. in the world? How excited I was! I I thought we were. I thought I was going to be walking up on a. I mean, because your first words were, um, and not so understandable <laughs> words were, "I've shot a giant." I've shot a giant, and and hey, look, hey, we're sitting let, here let holding the horns. I mean, he to, to there's that's, people out there that'll never kill. That's a deer that bigger day. than anything I've ever killed, and to me, that was a giant. And I, I, I guess at that point when I called you, it was I was so overtaken with being. I'm telling you, man, that that whole thought process was all right. I'm back. I'm back in. I'm back in the saddle again. So. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't thank you enough for what you did for me, getting up there and, and getting him out. And, and, you know, we spent the rest of the week in, I guess, what you would call adversity, trying to oh, chase man. down a deer for you. You know, we, we went to uh, we went to a different ground. We went to a different area and tried to get tried to get on one. Um, we, we got in an area where we thought there were some great deer, and, and we actually saw some, saw a couple of good bucks, but we just – we couldn't make it happen in one area, so we moved back to my area that we probably should have never left. If we'd have stayed yep, in that yep. spot, you know, we would have probably done it a little different about field dressing him. You know, I would have moved back into the timber a little bit more and and not field dressed him twenty yards from where my stand was hanging. But yep. once we got back in that area, I felt confident that we'd be able to get it done. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. Um, I don't think it was a mistake leaving that no, area. No, absolutely not. Um, I don't think there's ever a mistake. No. I think you may learn something different because mm. we absolutely did. We we spent two days exploring, bouncing around, hunting morning, come out in the midday, yep. looking an area. We we learned more by going out those days and finding more territory to hunt. Yeah, and now we know those properties, and we know what's there, and we have options for the years to come. And let me rewind here a little bit, and for anyone listening that may be thinking that, oh, you can go to public land in any state and kill a giant, <laughs> you better be ready to walk. You better be ready to put your boots on the ground. You better be ready to deal with other people. We yep. ran into several, several hunters, and I'm not going to name drop him, but we met an amazing, amazing guy from the state of Illinois that absolutely, it was a pleasure to talk with him and and learn what he knew about the area and learn what he knew and he was so open once we let him know that we're not trying to intrude on your area and we're not you know we made it clear right out of the gate that we saw where you were hunting and I, I'll, I'll give a shout out i'm gonna drop his first name bill you know thank you for everything man because you were you were a pleasure to meet and we cannot wait to uh to move forward in the future with our conversations about hunting you know certain areas yeah he could have very easily made hunting that area very difficult for us if he if he wanted to yeah because he, he but he didn't and that's the no, thing i think didn't. a lot of it goes into how you treat people whether you meet them from in state out of state we're not there to intrude on anyone's hunting territory we're just like anyone else we work hard and we want to you know be successful but at the same time, we made it a point that we were going to an area to focus on that area. And when we found nobody was there, and I understand why they weren't there. I mean, you're talking a long walk and a long drag if you kill one, which we spent two days on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday after I had hunted, hunting different areas. And on Thursday, we moved back to, to the area I, that I had hunted in. And uh, right out of the gate. <laughs> right, right, right off the rip uh, that morning proved that we should have stayed there but 
beautiful 10 pointer, beautiful eight pointer. You know, they weren't, we didn't get a whole, we didn't get a good look at them. You know, we didn't get a whole lot of visual evidence of what they were. We guessed them at a 10, we guessed them at a smaller eight, you know, and another buck ran a doe by. And that was that we should have left, but we didn't see a deer after that. Nope. Yeah. It really shut down. I don't know if the, I don't know the pressure kind of changed and I don't know if, uh, what happened to that area if it kind of shut down midday it did it really shut down well it shut down for for the whole day but we got into friday and we hunted friday morning and at at nine o'clock that morning we made a decision that we needed to to adjust a little bit so we moved in just a touch further than what we did and we got into the edge of the bedding area instead of being on the outskirts of it we got a little bit further into the edge of it and you want to you want to give us a rundown of what happened next (laughs) Oh man, it's um so that that was a that was a a, a memorable evening there. Uh we 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 set up we double hung in the same tree and in, in the edge of the bedding area like you stated. And we knew we knew deer were traveling through that area at a high frequency from what we had from what you had seen what we had seen the the previous morning. And it was, I don't remember exactly what time it was, uh, three o'clock? In no, the no, 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 no. We moved, we went and got breakfast at 9.30. We were back in the tree by a quarter after 12. By one o'clock, we had sat there and hadn't seen anything. That's when you picked up the horns, hit them together, and we saw a buck cruise right. by, and, you know, he, he kind of skirted around us. May have caught our wind a little bit, not sure, but he kind of skirted around the edge, and, and, we sat there for a, probably another 45 minutes when I, you know, I hit you and I was like, hey, get up. There's a buck coming. <sighs> and this is, this is when it began. Um, it was, I, and I stood up and I was completely turned backwards from this deer the way it was coming in. And uh, it was coming in perfect upwind. And it took me a while to find the deer just because of it being so thick in there. And he, yep. was, he was working the edge of a ditch line that kind of paralleled us that was about 40 yards from me and i had already ranged several areas and the deer was working what probably would have been down to a pretty close shot and i don't know if it was nerves or over excitement or, or no four day or five days worth of sitting <laughs> in the deer stand listening to me complain and gripe about everything no, we ought to be no. here <laughs> i i I wouldn't have wanted to be there with anyone else, and you were a trooper. You honestly kept my spirits up because there were several times throughout the week. Oh, yeah, the there week. was times you was like, oh, man, I don't – and I'm like, dude, we're going. We're going. Yeah. Let's go in here. And you got to get back with it. And so when when you turned and you actually first – when you first saw that deer, you know, what did you think? Well, I immediately knew at that point that it was a shooter. Um, it probably would have been a shooter for me on day one or day two. I mean, it was, it was a great deer. It was I mean, a great deer. Looking at a, a, a decent eight or a 10, probably a, probably a 10, right. you know, 16 inches wide. And you had a different viewpoint from me. Um, and you had a camera. Yeah, we were, I was videoing. You were videoing. And, and I think that played into it a little bit too. I was, I was super excited. And, and, and the next part is my fault a hundred percent, but I saw the deer moving. I knew where, I knew where he was headed and I went ahead and ranged the area. And when I ranged the area. Came up uh, with about, what, 42, yep. 43, somewhere in there. 43 yards. And I don't know what happened. 
I'm still well, the deer was on the the deer was on the uh, the north side of the ditch, and your rangefinder would have been hitting the south side of the yes. ditch, which the ditch was probably I don't know, let's say five six yards yeah. across. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at probably additional ten yards in total when you hit the far bank. In the heat of the excitement, the deer looks in our direction. Now, I can see the deer's head, but I can't see its body. So I'm thinking, all right, I don't have a shot here. He's going to work right up this edge of this ditch. And and at that same time, the wind had shifted. And it wasn't shifted directly downwind to him, but I could feel the wind now hitting me close to on the back of the neck, and I knew it was pushing his direction. And from from my view, the deer was throwing his the old elusive throw his head up, lick his nose. He's, he's yeah, and I wind. think a lot of that. I think the deer that we saw that skirted us when you had rattled was this deer. He had skirted around the edge of us, work trying to work downwind, and he came in looking for what was going, what was making all that noise up yeah. there, and. I don't think he had necessarily winded us, but I think he, he was catching something. He'd gotten a little nervous. He'd tensed up a, a touch, and from there, you, <laughs> you can tell what happened next. Uh, well, he steps into the opening, and he's standing there, perfect broadside. I come to full draw, and I've got my got my pin set where I need it. I feel good about the shot. I don't have any obstructions. I'm trying to find the deer in the video camera at this time because I've yep. already lost him trying to watch him. And as soon as the arrow left, you know how you know? You just oh, yeah. Know. Yeah, you got a feeling it. I, like, oh, oh I knew. And the the arrow uh, went, went right, right across over, his back. Yeah, it went right across the top of his back. And <laughs> immediately, Alex, cameraman, day six cameraman, at his wit's ends, looks around the tree and go. Why did you shoot? <laughs> I was so upset yeah. at that moment. I was like, why did you shoot? Because the deer at this point's already gone. I mean, he's moved and went up back up the ditch where he came from. I'm like, what in the world was that? And I asked him, and we both sat there. In, and I was Y'all know me. I'm a talker. When I ain't talking, I'm either mad or I just ain't got nothing to say. And at that point, I wasn't mad at you. I was mad at the situation. I know you probably give your wife that line. I know I do. I'm not <laughs> mad at you. I'm mad at the situation. And that's exactly what I was. I was so let down, not because you missed the deer. I want you to understand that. I wasn't let down because you missed the deer. I was let down in myself or let down in the situation because you had you hadn't get, you didn't get a deer at that point. Right. And <laughs> I was I was disappointed obviously cuz I missed. Oh, you were beyond disappointed. You but, stood there against the tree for a good 5 minutes while I sat there looking the other direction, rewinding the tape three or four times to make sure you'd miss this deer and it clearly sailed over his back and but when and I, I turned around and I, and I told you, you know, reload, let's let's reset. We were this was three thirty in the afternoon right. on the last day, mm-hmm. so we've got plenty of time left. You know, we know there's deer in the area. Twenty minutes later, what comes walking right down through the ridge? Well, well, let me preface that because the re another reason I was so upset. I don't want people to think just oh I missed a deer and I just gave up on life at that point. The week, the week leading up to that. I had small challenges. Oh my goodness! Throughout the and it was just tiny little things. Um, after Alex tagged out earlier, he he did. He was every he was step for step from with me throughout the entire week. Everywhere I went, he went. We double we double set. Well, I didn't have a truck to drive, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but but uh, the the first thing that really kicked off the the kind of bad juju was me is I, I did something I've never done and. 
you know, 16 years of, of bow hunting, and that is I left my release in the truck. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about that. And whose who's stand is below mine? None other than Alex's. So who gets to go get my release? Alex. And I felt as tiny as anyone could feel. Given it's about 36 degrees that morning and I've got enough clothes on to live in the Ozark for a week. So, I mean, in the Arctic for a week. And, uh, by the time I got back from the truck, which was several hundred yards away, it was, it was rather warm, but <laughs> got your release on and, uh, we saw two great deer that morning. Yes, we you know, did. We, 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 did. we were able to, you know, get a good look at some bucks. And, uh, from there it was, you know, Hey, it was, it was on. Yeah, it was on at that point. So cut back to me missing this deer, you know, aside from losing my, you know, forgetting my release in the truck, uh, I lost my iPhone in the woods in the middle of public land, <laughs> which I had to trek back through the woods using my Apple Watch. Shout out to Apple Watch. Help me find my phone in the middle of the woods. Found that. So I missed the deer. I get myself kind of gathered back up. 30 minutes later, a bigger buck. Um, Alex is actually turned around talking to me and I'm facing the tree and he looks over my shoulder and he's like, buck 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 and at this point i know there's no joking we're not we're not playing that game with each other so i turn around and sure enough it's a good it's a it's bigger it's a good deer but he just he just stays right out of and i threw everything at this deer oh, yeah, you rattled you hit the yeah. can you grunted at him this and I, I honestly i think at that point this was you know we nick and i were talking about the seeking phase and the rut phase i think this was a deer that had either a gotten a good fight with the deer and didn't want anything to do with it or he had something on his mind that you and i didn't see maybe there was a doe that came through he was headed in a direction yep. maybe he had bedded a doe and he was headed back to her or whatever he was headed there wanted he threw his head up once when he mm-hmm. hit the can but he never came in our direction he headed directly away from us and at that point i wasn't i was still down but i wasn't deflated i'm i was super excited to get to see that deer well, at that point it had reinvigorated right. you yes, you know you you were down beforehand right before that you was i could tell you were down i could tell you weren't really into it you know you you had we had put everything we had into this hunt into this week and you weren't back a hundred percent into it until we saw that deer as soon as you saw that deer you were back in the game. I yeah. saw a change on you. You're like, all right, it can happen. And, and <laughs> well, at 503, uh, I, and let me let me say this, legal shooting lot is 30 minutes after sunset and 30 minutes after uh, daylight. So that's something we really watch closely because you can still see after legal shooting lot. But I told Cody all week, we're not shooting past legal shooting lot. There's no way well, I'm going to watch the time. And we watched it. We were out of camera lot. But we had legal shooting lot left, so I I was turned around talking to Alex, and I heard something to my which will now be my right because I'm facing the tree, and I look up in the woods and I can see a deer. Now keep in mind this is a thick, thick bedding area, and it's we're hard. out of camera light, but we still got legal out shooting out of camera light. light. Camera is put up, and I know for a fact this is a deer. Squirrels are you know squirrels have went up, they're done. And I get a good glimpse at a deer. And all I can see is a deer throwing its head up into a limb. And you can hear it making a pawed spot or you know, checking a pawed spot, doing its thing. It's continuing to walk towards us, but it, at what feels like 
a half mile per hour. Yeah, I mean, it's just, because, just slow cruising like those big bucks always do right at dark. You know, they're just choop, choop, stop, choop, choop, stop. I mean, it was just continual like that. And there was an opening in front of Alex, um, which would have been to my back, w- which was 20 yards. It was the only opening really around us um, in that direction. And when that deer got to the edge of the, the thick stuff, I could see its body. But I couldn't. I couldn't see its head. Uh, there was a tree blocking. But I had it. I had all neck, all vitals, all a visual, and it it stood there and it grunted. And Alex is looking with his naked eye. He don't need to buy binoculars or anything because it's only like I said, twenty yards. And I'm asking him, "Is it a shooter?" <laughs> at this <laughs> point, I'm looking at this deer, and he's asking me. I we both know it's a buck, and I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, just, it, it's it's literally four minutes till the end of legal shooting light on the last day before we come home the next day. Yeah, yeah. Let's go yeah. ahead. Let's go ahead and burn one day. Yeah. Let's get one down. See what it is. We'll worry about it, the the size of the buck when we get on the ground. So with, with so with what literally two minutes of shooting light left, you send it. I send it, and it's a it's a shot. I know it hits. I see the luminoc disappear. And it uh, hit, and when it hit, and that deer, he goes what? Five yards. And stands there, and I know what's going through Cody's mind because it's going through mine. You missed that joker, but we watched <laughs> that Luminoc disappear through him. Uh, nah, he did <laughs> He flopped over, and let me tell you, the excitement at that point, the excitement at any point when you shoot a deer with that, it's still legal light, but you're not sure what you've just shot. Could be a 180, could be a 60. <laughs> and you climb down out of the tree as fast as you can and you walk over well uh, let me let me rewind just for a second because we literally were looking at each other saying did that just happen yeah. you know we were blown away and baffled that you had just taken a deer i mean literally the last few minutes and silly me the week you know a couple of days before said oh i want it to go down to the wire and mm-hmm. at this point i'm thinking I don't want it to go down to the wire. I just want to go home. I want to, I don't want this to be over. This is this is terrible, but it really was. And it was just we were so emotionally spent and climb down the tree and you don't even let me out of my stand. I'm above you. You leave your stand four foot up the tree, jump out, and I'm like, right, hey, you gotta move your stand down. Don't go over there without me. And we walk over and it's the most beautiful, amazing six pointer <laughs> that I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean it absolutely was. You couldn't have couldn't have played it out anymore and we spent a lot of time getting him out of the woods. We had Tanner and Josh or no excuse me, Tanner, Tanner just yep. came to help us that time, but we drug him about six hundred yards to the creek, threw him on the game cart and Tanner in his trooper self takes him on out of the woods for us and it was all over but the crying at Man. that point. What an emotional yeah, that's the most I think that's the most emotion I've ever spent on a single deer. I was just so elated with everything that had happened throughout the week, and yeah, and it it had been an, it had been a great time. And shout out to the people of Illinois. You know, we met some amazing folks while we Absolutely. were there. I mean, shout out to to all of them because you know, without the conservation efforts that that the Illinois DNR put into these areas, and and they make it difficult for for just anyone to get into those areas to make things happen, but. It was it was one of those things that I just absolutely can't get enough of, and uh, you know I'm very thankful and blessed that we were able to make another journey up there, and 
we made it home safe and without question um it was uh it was you know one of those things that that i won't ever forget yep. and and you know hey I, like i said on thursday i was sitting in the stand that evening and i said uh you know, a little prayer there. I said, Lord, you know, if you if you had one laid up for me in shotgun season in Iowa this year when I'm up there driving deer with my buddies, you know, go ahead and give it to my buddy Cody here. And as we were walking up to this deer on the last <laughs> evening at last light, uh, I thought, golly, you wasted my Illinois or my Iowa big buck on a six pointer, <laughs> and I wouldn't have had it hey. any other way. So glad to have you here with us tonight, Cody. Hey, I'm glad absolutely. you're with us, and you know. You're gonna be. You're, you've done great things. I can't. I cannot thank you enough for everything you've done for me over the last couple of months. You know, you're a great friend. I love you like a brother, and I'm. I'm so thankful to have you here doing this with Nick and I. And we'll. Uh, we'll see you down the road a little bit. Hey, so. absolutely. I appreciate it, and I look forward to this. Nick, get back on here for a minute with me, and uh, let's let's close out this second episode. Let's what try you, to close it out. Uh, what you think, man? Did Watson it, done good. You done good, and. Um, I know people were probably listening for that ding in the background for that horseshoe falling out of your tail, but well, you know what? I don't think we're going to hear that. If if if, if, if anybody if knows 30, you, if these thirty thirty sixes could clinch any tighter to hold it in, I think everybody knows that thing. That, that thing's still tied on that D board. Well, I'm glad to have it. I'm glad to have the horseshoe, and uh, at, at some point, you know, we'll uh, we'll 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 pass it on to somebody else i was fortunate enough to go into illinois this year kill a deer i'm uh, just giving you a hard time buddy you, i know man i know you are and, and and everybody else is going to too but i'm so thankful you're a hard hunter but hey before we close out let's let's get some measurements people want to know what that deer scored um and i'm glad watson jumped in here and i'm glad he shared his story and i hope everybody really enjoys what he had to bring and we want to get more people in here telling their stories hey let the it stories out. like that. So let, we'll it, let, let it out. About. Come in here and tell us everything you want to. Let it out. Go into depth. We got plenty of time. We're sitting here in my basement, wide open. Having, and we having have, a few coolings. Yeah, a few coolings. We got plenty of time to sit here and enjoy this. So, so rundown, I mean, uh, uh, width on the deer was uh, 17 and let's, three let's, quarter. Before we break, well, just go ahead. Go ahead. What you got? No, go ahead. Just go ahead and break it down for everybody. So it's a, it's a mainframe. He's a mainframe nine with a kicker off his two, so he made it made him a uh, made him a, a ten. Yeah, total scoreable points. Um, width was seventeen and three quarter, and I go on quarters and I go on gross nets for fishing. So I'm right. not a, I'm not an official scorer by any means, but Nick and I did learn how to do it from somebody. So um, main beams were twenty one and twenty two. He had uh, three three and a quarter brow tines. Uh, 10 and uh, 9 inch twos and threes. His fours dropped off on the uh, left side to a three and a quarter, and he had no four on the right. Um, mass measurements was four and a half, four and a quarter. His second mass measurement was four. Uh, mass three was three and a half, and it really fell off from there on a two and a three for his fourth mass measurement. Um, he had 1.75 inches of abnormal antler, which was the kicker off his two for a, a gross score of 139 and a half. And Great buck. Great. Great buck. Oh, I mean, if it if it'd been with my with that Hoyt in my hand, it would have been a Pope and Young. It'd been my first Pope and Young. So yeah. I got him with yeah, that raven. I, know you'll get, I wonder I'm, what that I wonder what that Raven uh book looks like. I can guarantee you one thing. If I get down to uh day four or five next year, I may have that Hoyt in my hand them first few days. But that old Raven's gonna come dragging out of the case like a pinch hitter, I promise you that. I'm not I'm not scared. Any legal means of hunting 
I'm all for rifle, bow, crossbow. You use what you want, and you dance with the lady that brought you, and that raven brought me through a, a hard time, and I'm thankful for it. I agree with that. If you want to shoot a compound, go shoot a compound. Don't worry about what the next person may think. If they if they legalize it, use what you want to. That's right. So I mean, we've we're from Georgia. We've used rifles. Use what you want to. Um, great book, Alex, and and great story. Great story from Watson. Um, I'm glad we got our second full episode. Yeah, this is really the first full episode yeah. we've done. So we're, you know, it 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 is the first full episode. We did our introduction. We we released that today. This one will drop in a few days. And, you know, I'm thankful to be here with you, buddy. It's it's an exciting time, and uh, look forward to, for, to doing this again. Please, guys, please share this. Please like it. Please give us ideas of what you what you want us to hear, what you want to hear. Yeah, definitely go over to our Talk About It uh, TV page on Facebook and uh, follow us there. You can keep up to date with any of our recent posts as well as anything you want to talk about whatever you want to put in there what do you want us to talk about go over to instagram talk about it outdoors cody's been working hard on that you can also find us on buzzsprout where that's where most of the podcasts are going to be hosted from you'll see our twitter launching in the next little bit be be looking for that as well as any updates that you know we're going to pass along as far as email you can get us at talk about it outdoors at gmail.com you can reach out by messenger to anything if you don't want to post it on there feel free to you know send us a message any one of us nick wilson alex deboard cody watson any of the three if you want to have an individual conversation with us on any topics you know feel free to reach out to us on those platforms because moving forward this is going to be a great thing and we're excited for it and uh i hope i really look forward to the next time we get together and do this man i'm hoping the next time we get together and share a deer story i'm telling the story so for the 2020 season that is nick's on his way back to illinois really really soon and uh is it redemption or no is it redemption or is it completion i'll tell you like this i went by my father's house today and picked up his crossbow so well, talk about it all right glad everybody joined us for this one again and make sure you tune back into the next one we're gonna go out of here tonight with a great thing in mind you get out tomorrow get out today get in the woods with whatever you can do and uh we're thankful for y'all and we look forward to the next one until the next time we'll see you then